coming at you live from the Koppel Chevrolet GMC Studios. This is Old School. Brought to you by Sand Hills Global. Broadcasting veteran Derek Pearson. When you find something that moves them, that makes them smile, celebrate it. That's your task. That's your superpower. Nebraska Football Hall of Famer Jay Foreman. Rifles a pass. It was tipped. It's picked off by Foreman. He's at the 15, 10, 5. He'll score! On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome into Old School on 93.7 The Ticket at TicketFM.com. Join us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter. Sarder Heyman Jewelers live video stream. Old School, brought to you by Sandhills Global. Sandhills Global looking to fill hundreds of new openings in sales, traveling, sports, software development, web design, and more career and internship opportunities are available at the global headquarters in Lincoln. Apply today at sandhills.jobs. And can I say before we get started that I'm actually kind of glad that there's no run rule in the college softball championship games. Texas is not. <laughs> Texas is not happy that that's the rule. Uh, they they waved the flag uh, pretty early. Um what we learned last night was do not score first against Oklahoma. Bad idea. <laughs> don't score in the first inning. Don't celebrate. Don't get them mad. Don't be happy. Don't, well, no, don't be happy against Oklahoma. No, How dare you? They got the bases loaded, right? Yeah. And they celebrate. They got their first run, and they celebrated, and they did. did they the threw thing. all the horns. and This is over. Poked the bear. I mean, this and is, this and was, Oklahoma was just like, This okay. is flat out. A demolishing. This is over here in a matter of 48 hours. I mean, let's just get right to it. I mean, let's just stop. Let's not even try to sell everybody snake oil like there's a chance. There's another Texas, game tonight. No, yeah, Texas went back to their hotel room, all looked at each other, and probably started drinking. Say, listen here, there's nothing that we can do. It's over. They have taken it personally, and they're, they, are, they might embarrass them even more tonight. What are you going to do? Realistically. Because they got everybody. They, yeah. they got they, – they put they – put, Aluminum to every pitcher on the on the roster. It was literally BP. You were three pitchers deep in the first inning. Hey, it was batting practice. And at what point in time do you do? Well, at what point in time do you just call the old number one inside? I got to start hitting some people. I think they well, did. they did, but they hit the wrong one because you hit Jocelyn Allen. But I'm hitting, that, but I got hit everybody. Yeah, like I mean, you might just, as well. It's just it's funny because they have Jocelyn Allo batting second. And you're just like, oh, okay, like whatever. And then the girl behind her, oh, by the way, her first two years at Oklahoma are better than Jocelyn Allo's last two years. I look. I first of all, Jocelyn, can we pay respect to the young lady? Like seriously, two hundred plus home runs for the career. And oh, by the way, she's hitting five sixteen. She hits 696 when she's leading off. I saw that stat. That's not fair <laughs> to anybody else. Right. Yeah, it was – I mean, it was a beautiful game of softball. It was straight-up domination. And it's not like – if, if Oklahoma's not in the tournament, just say, then we're talking about Texas. We're talking about – it was probably a different game. You're just – you're facing 95 Nebraska – 
Um, Miami, 99, USC, you're facing the Nebraska teams, the Alabama teams, the Miami Hurt. You're, you're facing a once in a lifetime or generation or half your life type of type of team. Well, elite from top yeah. to bottom. And it's not even – see, the thing is what people don't understand is they have great talent. And and so does Texas, right? Yeah. Now I'd say Oklahoma obviously has better talent, but what makes this team so great is that you got everybody that's on the same page, thinking the same, operating the same. So the cohesiveness is there. So when you're, you know, either in tough moments or you want to make a point or you're going to come out in the championship game and everybody's highly motivated, they're all thinking about Oklahoma and what we're going to do, and that's where the greatness comes from. Because there's been plenty of teams with talented players, yeah. right? You can go even if you want to go back and look how many times Mike Shishovsky, Mike or Coach Keg, Mike Shishovsky, um has had. You know, back when they had Elton Brand and all those guys, right? And then they'd be out in Sweet 16 or the teams even back like sometimes. You know, we talk about John Thompson with you know the Georgetown teams, or better yet. The North Carolina teams that D- Dean Smith had at times with Rasheed Wallace, Jerry Stackhouse, and, you know, they're going number two pick, three pick, number one, and then next you, you look and say, how did they not win? Or even at times when John Cooper was at Ohio State, they would lose to obviously Michigan or go to a bowl game and lose to a team they shouldn't. You know, a good Tennessee team, but not, you know, not with Heisman winner, Eddie George, so forth and so on, Orlando Pace and all those guys. That's the difference. So what we you, you you know as much as we can joke about it's over, you need to appreciate in the moment this team of what that they've built at Oklahoma that everything's kind of lined up for them to be phenomenally great on the on the biggest stage out there. You Only know, three losses this year, right? And that lets you know but that they're going to win fifty nine games. That's that's insanity. But a team that can learn from their losses and get better and then be highly motivated from them is a next level team. Mm-hmm. Whether you get a scare. You know, in a football season or anything like that. I mean, that's. I mean, this is, we're watching pure greatness right now. And and the, the beauty of it is that they play like they trust each other. Yeah, and that's what we talked about uh, the other day or whenever is talking about what you have to do. Uh, maybe Strick was here. Is like you got to as a leader. What do you got to do? You got to do more stuff off the field with people that don't necessarily or people with people that you haven't normally hung out with, mm-hmm. or obviously that don't look like you. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. the truth because the when you look like you're going to trust somebody, when you break bread with them, you let loose, um, wh- however it is, or you go like fishing together, go out on a boat together, road trips, whatever you do, you that's where the trust comes from. Um, and that's where you get all the, I don't know, I don't even want to call it inside information, but the intel on what makes somebody tick and they trust you enough to, hey, maybe you learn something about, so-and-so how they were raised or how where they came from or what's normal in their family structure right. then it's like oh well dang now i can see why you know he either like is like that or he's perceived like that but it's actually not the truth so you hear about that all the time and um and then also that that where don't you know don't get it you know don't get it uh twisted that is as good as oklahoma or great as oklahoma is this year they haven't had adversity. They've had to have some internal strife in order to get there. So they've had to make some decisions, to, to hard decisions that isn't all peaches and cream to get this byproduct of what you're seeing well, or the, what you saw last night and going to see tonight. The, the players talk about their play. Oklahoma's softball players talk about their team and their teammates the way you guys talk about the 90, 95 team. Right. That the 
they their friction is off season. Right. Their friction is pushing each other all year. Like all before they ever get to season, they've they've done the work. Right. Like, it's just it's just kind of just going through. Well, because it's they a battle. formality. Yeah, they it's battle. A formality. Right. It's a formality. Like who gets the spot? Right. right. Look to get a, a superstar like Josh Allo to 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 move around the batting order based on what a coach or the other teammates feel like is necessary. And there's no smoke about it. She's like, yeah, no, whatever you need for yeah. me to do. So then when that coach has to go and talk to said player to go from just say right or we're going to take you from third base to right field, that's a, just a, that's a drastic move, right? Third base is generally a hot spot. Right field is kind of, at least in baseball terms, you kind of put your guy out there that, you know, that isn't your most, you know, best, say, outfielder. To get To be able to do that, you have to have humility by your – most prominent player, popular player, X, Y, and Z. And you're seeing, again, if there's, you know, whether the coach wants to write a book about leadership or they do some sort of, like, you know, Oklahoma show about the the whole year, you would see a tremendous amount of adversity and how you come out the other end is really kind of comes out when you see last night. And, and um, I expect no different tonight. You know, it's it's the it's the it's a grand finale formality on a on a phenomenal season. What's your coronation? It's the celebration. Well, it's, it's the pay. It's the payoff for all the hard work. Right. Um. For all the players, and also, I mean, here's the other thing. You got to think about this. This is the end of Jocelyn's run. So and the start of Tiari Jennings. Yeah. Well, <laughs> there again, they've got players 14, 14, uh, 12 through fourteen, who are were high school all Americans that are waiting, just, just sitting there chilling. Like I said, it's like the '95 team. You go, wait a minute. Yeah, these guys are leaving, but mm-hmm. we got some other dudes that right. are sitting here waiting. The- well, that their young ladies are there to step right in. Remember, these are and these are folks who are sitting on the bench, averaging 400. Like they're sitting on the bench, going. But eh, again, again, can- that's I don't mean to cut you off. What's been going on in that locker room? Yeah, has made it not easier but has set the tone for them to wait and be okay with it because they aren't first of all for, if you come and you're a successful like you know club softball player at, to the level that Oklahoma's recruiting mm-hmm. there's not too many places you're not coming in and if you're not starting as a freshman you're playing a lot but you go to Oklahoma and then you're able to get into their program and understand you see a superstar right there a superstar upcoming all these other girls that could be superstars at other universities, okay, I got to wait my turn. And then they embrace it because they see the payoff. Mm-hmm. Then they see the humility of their biggest star. And two years ago where she had the, the coach told her she needed to step away from the team. And then when she wanted to kind of push through it, she said, no, no, no. You need to go find yourself so you can become a better softball player. See, that, was huge. that, that didn't just like pay off in that next season. This is the payoff. You get what I'm saying? So she's op- she's playing the game at a whole different mindset and level mm-hmm. that everybody else is playing because she had went through some personal adversity to get to this point. Well, and the other thing, I mean, shout out to Oklahoma. Uh, their head coach, uh, $700,000 plus a $200,000 $200, bonus when you know that somebody is doing the work, yeah. right, and the results are there. And it's a big deal to them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's a big deal to them. A massive deal. Yeah. We're and just, they, and they know in, in a few years they can't go down to the SEC 
playing kid games. So they're already ready. That program is already ready made to step in right down there and go to work. Well, you, That's gonna be this, fun. I mean, yeah, just imagine them just looking at going. Oh, well, they're going to be looking at Tuscaloosa. Well, no, hold on, hold on. They're going to be looking. Oklahoma's going to be looking across at other girls and seeing themselves in the mirror every single week. And they got to get to work. Back and they work. got they and so now it's going to be really cool to see how they can raise their game to another level. Mm-hmm. Well, and who's next? I mean, think about it. I mean, Oklahoma State was right at the cusp. Yeah, right, Texas again. Texas they is, are Texas they, is, is looking over your fence. Like, well, Texas okay. is trying to come with them. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. going down there. Oklahoma State. I always talk about to to the kids I coach and high school kids. High school kids are going to college. As a matter of fact, I just talked to a parent and said, you know, I, I know you say your kid's a hard worker, but he's about to do something. He's going to work harder than he ever thought of in his life, and that's just just kind of like the pre-party you're just pre-gaming mm-hmm. but i always say like the is the pain of discipline is worth the pain of regret because the pain of regret and the pain of discipline weighs ounces it does and because it's very short term you know if you got to run an extra you know flying 100 you know when you're doing the hurdles or you got to go you know say two more rounds on your whatever your drills or mm-hmm. i gotta you know hit another workout session i gotta eat five more meals a week right that's very short term it lasts only Okay, I'm probably calling Rico up or DP, and I'm mad right then. But then I do it. An hour later, we're talking about, all right, man, you know, we're going to watch hockey game or whatever it is. The pain of regret, it lasts a lifetime. Well, you remember every single bad loss you've ever had. I, re- I you know, you know <laughs> to be honest with you, right? I mean, I, went, I was on part of three national championships teams, and I can't speak for anybody else. And successful in high school and all that stuff, right? The thing in in even NFL is different because you're kind of like a individual contractor because ultimately if the team loses and you play well you got job security right. Yeah. Um, in college you start losing that everybody's crappy because we got you know five stars waiting. But when I'm rolling down O Street, if I'm rolling, if I'm just driving or if just at the house and I'm watching a a basketball game or football game, I think about the losses. 10 times more than the wins. I actually sometimes have to force myself to think about all the great things we did and what we were able to accomplish in Nebraska. The one game I, the one game that I think about more than anything, it's not Arizona State because I call that pure dumb luck, right, is the Texas game because it's not only about that game leading up to that game, but I truly believe in my heart of hearts we win that game. We win three national championships, and I think we win again. They're never done before. So here I am with three national championships, right? I'm thinking about the one that we didn't get a chance to play. Yep. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So the pain of discipline and regret is huge, and if more kids going into college took that upon themselves and kind of embraced it, you would see. You know, you wouldn't be up here trying to always point at but- coaches to say, "Well, you didn't do this because." Here's a funny thing about it. There's two different types of players that come into college, okay? And it's generally the ones that are going to tell you that tell you stuff or ones that are going to show you. The ones that are going to tell you stuff, they like the social media, you know, the girls and the track suits and the free food, okay? The ones that are going to show you, they're going to appreciate, okay? And 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 be appreciate and be humble with the social media stuff, the girls, the free stuff like that. But 
they're actually going to try to double down on it because they're playing for something that's bigger than themselves. How is that possible in an age where, especially in high school, parents are unsure now, you, you, for most most parents? Because you say half, what, half the parents have, haven't gone through the process. Yeah, probably even more than that. Right, who haven't gone through the process. And then from that, what they do is they hover. Like they hover, they're, 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 they're way too connected and they're way too living through it as the child is living through it to do right for the child. Like you can't, yeah. you, you, there's no way the parent can do right for the child in a case where they're that emotionally Green. invested yeah. and still unaware. And what happens is the young person doesn't get to go through the full failure. They don't get the full lesson, right? Because the parents intercede, well, and the parents involve themselves, and they don't want to listen. They want they want to hear you, and and yeah, and that's true. But I just think that there's enough successful players, at least at the college level, right? Mm -hmm. Because we're only talking about college, and it's separation in the pros that there's enough people out there that actually there there is the difference between type of players. The players that are telling you are the ones you're still waiting for the light to come on or the the you know the bubble to bop or pop in year four or five and next thing you know you're 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 like grasping and wanting for more and they're gone you get what i'm saying yeah um but then there's guys that you just think you're like i call them like program this would i call them program guys i call them nut and bolt guys in the nfl the nfl i'm sorry for you guys out there is not built on peyton manning tom brady aaron Rod. it's not it's it's not that's not what makes it go that's what pays the bills because they're good-looking dudes and they play the most high-profile position. What makes it go are the guys that are just grinders, head down. They, they're they good football players because they're okay with doing their job to the level of the expectations of themselves, the team, your position coach, X, Y, and Z, for the betterment of the team, for the betterment of Tom Brady, for the betterment of Aaron Rodgers. That's what makes it go. It, it you're, you're, It's so dead on – Joe Gibbs used to say that this, they're only as good as the lowest, the worst player on the right. roster. Your you're, you're tooth, your your. But you're, that's why that was his favorite. That was why those guys were his favorite guys. Right. And he would talk about it. so guys like Reggie Branch, who back then, if they had had Pro Bowl for for special teams, Reggie Branch yeah. would have been there every year. They call him Blockhead. His job right. was to do all the dirty jobs that nobody else wanted to do, and he did it with such enthusiasm. He got Monty Coleman, who as a physical specimen yes. might have been one of the most talented linebackers right. to ever play easily, in the NFL. Easy, the, easily, like, would, easily still right now is one of the fastest linebackers ever to play. Yes. like Right now. Like, if you it, when we don't talk about great guys, Monty Coleman, call him Superman. Like, right. he, he, he was one of the first linebackers that when you looked at oh. them in the uniform, you went, holy goodness, that's different. Right. That's different. And Monty would have been the guy – for 24 of the NF teams in the NFL, he would have been their Lawrence Taylor. They would have built it around him specifically right. for that. But in that space, Monty Coleman said, what's best for us is for me to accept some of the roles where we could get beat on the humble. Right. I'm going to make sure it never that happens. it never yeah. happens. So I'm going to specialize on specialty. This dude was a gunner. <laughs> this dude was a gunner. Yeah, like 6'3", <laughs> two, six, three, 225. <laughs> I remember watching. That's the, terrifying. I remember watching when he, you know, he was with the well, when he was with the Redskins, and then they're talking about like their whole. It, they kind of made it sound like their whole season was based on him re recovering from an injury and how he came in the training camp. 
So they used to always do inter squad scrimmage against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, mm-hmm. me and my grandma. I mean, we'd look forward to. It. Oh my goodness! Like I wouldn't oh go outside and and you know ride bikes or go down and we used to go, you know catch crawfish and I wouldn't do all that. Right? It was like that was our deal. That was our deal. And it was like two or three days. And I remember, um, and being you know a young kid and sitting with her, and it was like Monty Coleman was walking behind somebody doing a spot interview, and he had you know a. It was a gray cutoff. He, yeah, gray he cut never off wore Washington. a full shirt. Yeah, gray he, cutoff. <laughs> and then he had his pads, you know, had his pads. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, and I'm, it is crazy that I'm, you know, I'm 46, and who just say I was six years old or, or however long or old I was. And I remember it clear as day. I remember where we were sitting. We were in the kitchen, sitting there, and we were watching. And I remember looking like, holy, you know what? I've never seen another human being look like that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And... You know, there's some of those guys that. And that this are, is in an LT era where right. you knew what Superman looked like, except for this dude. It looked like it. LT <laughs> was Superman. Yeah. Yeah, I just. And it, people don't understand that when you meet guys like LT, like you know, I mean, I you know, you generally when I play, you know, you think you're a pretty bad dude, right? Mm-hmm. I'll never forget, man. I mean, <laughs> I just it just like you know, pretty much shredded my knee and leg, so I was rehabbing, and I remember. Going to the workout, right? And I was, uh, and I was like, "Hey, look, I'm trying to, you know, come back or whatever." So I went. Up, I was up in D.C. and it was seeing my grandma, and so I'd go up there and kind of get like, you know, she was really good about kind of keeping me going, and you know, I was, I was struggling more mentally coming off an injury. So I'd go there, and you know, the big thing I was going to get some, you know, blue crabs and stuff like that. So it was, you know, September at the end of blue crab season, September maybe early October. Worked out there and then um, booked my flight to D.C. the next week, right? And I remember being there and it was just woke up that morning and you just kind of knew something was going to, you know, they were going to call you or whatever. I mean, I just felt like something was because I kind of started working out for some teams and doing decent. Well, I'm there and they're like, hey, we're going to pick you up or whatever. You know what I'm saying? And the workout went pretty. I thought I did pretty good. Tom Coughlin was the coach, and me and Jesse Armstead were doing, like, these linebacker drills, and literally we started going at it, you know, because I'm – look, dude, I know – I used to watch Jesse Armstead, and he was trying to make a comeback, or whatever, but I'm trying to get a job. So he was trying to do some stuff and, like – I wouldn't say embarrass me, but kind of shove me a little bit more, you know, and I'm sure he didn't know – I mean, doubt he knew who I was, you know, and so we kind of started, you know, getting into it. So my grandma was like, how'd it go, and I explained it to her. She's like, don't worry. She don't worry, baby. Something's. I, I got a feeling something's gonna happen. Something's gonna happen for you. You deserve it. Get picked up by the Giants or whatever. Um, late in the year, and I would tell you, I always tell people. I was just telling somebody the other day. Michael Strahan is one of the humblest, coolest, mega superstars that I've ever been around. Because he took care of me, and he didn't have to. It, it, but we had a mutual friend. Obviously, being from, he's originally from Houston, so he kind of knew about me or whatever. So they had had some injuries at linebacker. You know, so they give you, you know, didn't have the, I obviously didn't get to pick my number, you know, because I wore 56, met the Giants. I don't want 56. I think it's retired. So, brother got like 96. So, for you people out there, you see some linebackers with 90, that's when you probably, you know, as you get higher in the 90s, you probably about to get up out the league, right? So, because <laughs> you ain't getting your numbers. All the 50s are gone, right? And you couldn't get the single numbers. So, I got Lawrence. I didn't know whose locker was because they have your stuff filled with, you know, they, you know, your shoes, turf shoes, yeah. you know, t-shirts, sweat, you know. So I didn't see it. So I had the locker on the corner. I'm like, oh yeah, this is cool. You know, I mean, you know, you kind of walk in, get there, and I'm thinking like, 
I'm new to the team. Nobody knows me, so I can kind of just be in my own. Look. I don't. I didn't want to be in the middle. Of everybody. Yeah. You know. So next to me or across the thing was David Deal, who's a he was a fifth round offensive lineman, played for the Giants. Was great. You know. And we had the same agent, so we kind of was just talking and passing. Um, so after the practice, I'm about to go work out. Next thing you know, you know, you're going. I'm looking. I'm like, dang, where's my wallet? You know. So you're looking back there. They got a big old picture of LT. That's it. That was his locker. Mm-hmm. So the next, so the next practice is the Friday practice. So that's when like a lot of the you know their legends would come back. Yeah. You know, Martin, Harry Carson was around all the time. Joe Morris and stuff. LT comes in. I mean, it was like John Gotti walked on there. I mean, it was like the partner of the sea. You get here when, when he walked on the practice field. During the middle of practice, it's like everybody stopped, right? Black trench coat. <laughs> and we had a conversation. It was it was kind of eerie, but it was great. We'll, we'll get back to that because yeah. it's there. I, I'm gonna, we're going to go to break. I'm, Rico, to the break, I'm going to take you to master's class. I'm going to show you Monty Coleman. Okay. But then we'll find out what's up. Okay. You're listening to Old School with DP and J. Download the mobile app and listen wherever you are on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com.